Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the musical Hamilton, the title character, Alexander Hamilton, sings a line, in the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet. And he's true, and it's right, he's right, it's true. Um, I haven't ever been in the eye of a hurricane, but I've watched YouTube videos. And if you're in the eye of a hurricane, the sun is shining, it's a light breeze blowing, it seems like a pretty nice day, except for the towering walls of thunderstorm on every side. Alexander Hamilton saw himself in the eye of the hurricane. He'd been through one storm wall. He had been confronted with and confessed to wrongdoing that threatened to derail his career and his legacy. And he knew another storm was coming. But for now, he took a moment for quiet, for planning, for preparing, for getting ready for the next thing before he launched into the storm into furious, furious action. Tonight we follow our Savior's road to redemption into the eye of the storm. A storm of accusations and fury rages around him. But our Savior is quiet. Stunningly silent, actually. But this doesn't surprise us, this silence. When we follow the road to redemption back Back into the Old Testament, we see that this is always where our Savior's road would lead. And it's a good thing. A good thing for us. Because when we find ourselves in the middle of the storm, we see our Savior handle it with quiet. And because of his salvation, we can handle our storms in quiet as well. Picture Jesus there, in front of the Jewish high council, the Sanhedrin. He's been unceremoniously yanked from his meditation and prayer in the Garden of Eden, uh, probably none too gently transported to this sham of a trial that's happening in the middle of night. And the vehemence and the vitriol, the, the anger of the people accusing him is just palpable. They hurl accusation, accusation after accusation at him just to see what'll stick. They twist his words. They, they bring straight up false witnesses to lie about him, to try and get something, something that they can condemn him for. But in all of it, Jesus is silent. Finally, it kind of unnerves the high priest Caiaphas, and he, he says to Jesus, uh, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony these men are bringing against you? But still, Jesus remains silent. He gets forwarded on to, to Pilate, and Pilate kicks him down the road to, to Herod. Picture him there. Finally, the, the ruler of Galilee can have this person, this miracle worker that he's heard about so much, 
who's been so active in his territory, he can, he can have him right in front of him. Maybe he'll see him do a miracle. You picture Jesus kind of beaten, bound, with the Jewish leaders still standing in the background, hurling their accusations. Pilate, or, sorry, Herod plies him with many questions, but still, Jesus is silent. Back to Pilate. And now Jesus is standing in front of the man who holds his life and death in his hands. The accusations grow louder, wilder. Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate asks, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply. Not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. As a storm of accusation and anger rages around him, Jesus is silent. But unlike Alexander Hamilton, Jesus is not in the eye of the storm. He's not just plotting, waiting, preparing for the great action by which he will vindicate himself. No, Jesus isn't in the eye of the storm. He is the eye of the storm. Wherever Jesus goes, he takes with him a quiet commitment to establish justice. And that's what he was always sent to do. Our reading from Isaiah chapter 42, on which this sermon is based, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, I am placing my spirit on him. He will announce a just verdict, justice for the nations. He will not cry out. He will not raise his voice. He will not make his voice heard in the street. A bent reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. He will faithfully bring forth a just verdict. He will not burn out, and he will not be broken until he establishes justice on the earth. The coastlands will wait for his law. So far, God's word. When you think about what it takes to establish justice, you've got a whole big list of things. Where does silence rank on the list? And when, you, when you're confronted with injustice, when you want to bring uh, this unright situation and right it, aren't you supposed to draw attention to it? Aren't you supposed to make a, make a scene? Point it out. Justice. This is injustice. We need justice. Bring the storm to the unjust person or organization or whatever it is. We've seen this, right? Uh, Twitter wars and protests and uproars. Whenever there is injustice cited, whether rightly or wrongly, right? But not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. As he becomes the victim of injustice, he's silent. And that's because he's not concerned with justice for himself. He's concerned with justice for you. In Isaiah 42, we were introduced to someone uh, referred to only as the servant of the Lord at that time. God sends this servant 
his specially chosen, specially sent person to establish justice, to, to establish a right verdict for the world. But he won't do it with vehement arguments or with violent resistance. He'll do it with silence. Isaiah says, He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Even with a storm of injustice flying around him, he doesn't speak up to defend himself. He doesn't insist that he's never done anything wrong, never been guilty of sin, even though it's true. Jesus remains silent. Because he's here before the Sanhedrin, before Herod, before Pilate. He's here not to get what he deserves, but to take what you deserve. Jesus looked at you and saw a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. Bruised by sin, living an unjust life, unable to hold yourself up in the presence of God smoldering, flickering under the darkness, the oppressive darkness of sin and of death. It would have been easy. It would have been been right even for him to, to snap that bruised reed, to snuff out that smoldering wick. You weren't doing anybody any good. But instead, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus saw your bruises, your smoldering, as not something to be crushed, but as something that you needed to be saved from. He saw that your sinful nature and the way you live your life made you unjust, unable to stand before God, deserving of death and hell. And he was filled not with anger and accusations towards you, but with quiet, compassionate love. And even though he could have spoken up to clear his own name, what did he do? He allowed himself to be broken, to be snuffed out for you. As the storm raged around him, Jesus had only one goal in mind, to make you right with God to make you justified before God. And so no matter how ridiculous or how violent the accusations grew, he remained silent. Just like Isaiah said, in faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. Nothing would stop him. That's exactly what he did. Despite the raging storm, Jesus, the servant of the Lord, did not stop, did not complain, did not object all the way to the cross. Even though it cost him, even though it killed him, he remained silent. He remained silent for you. And now he has established justice. And when God looks at you, he sees someone who is just and right with him. Some might look at Jesus' silence in these situations and see see them coming out of a a weak position. He couldn't have changed anything if he tried, so he just remained silent. 
out of helplessness, perhaps. But the truth is, Jesus' silence showed his strength. It is strength to stand amidst a storm of arrogance, anger, and accusation and not respond with the same. It is strength to take everything that was thrown at our Savior and to return only grace. Because of Jesus' silence, that grace, that powerful grace, is yours. And it's yours forever. And that's an empowering truth. A storm rages in your life too, doesn't it? A storm of accusations, the devil's true and false. A storm of injustice and anger. The temptation is there to, to jump into the storm, right? To fire off a quick barbed response. To try and overshadow the injustice of my life with the wrongs of somebody else. But that's not what our Savior's grace empowers us to do. That's not who he makes us to be. You are the people of the silent, suffering servant of the Lord. You are people of his grace. He made you right with God. He's brought you peace in the middle of your storm. So go with him. Live your life in that peace. Let the storm rage without. Let the storm rage around you. But you, walk on the road to redemption that your Savior has placed you on. And follow him. Follow him in peace and quiet because you know where he's leading you. Amen. Now the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.